Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now, from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. Hey everybody, welcome to the nation. That's Barbecue Nation. I'm JT along with Camaro Dave, Commander Chris, coming to you from our Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, Oregon. Uh, we'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef the way nature intended. You can check them out online at PaintedHillsNaturalBeef.com. And uh, we've got one of our friends of our shows, the guy who probably has more views or downloads for on his videos online than anybody in the world. It's Malcolm Reed from Killer Hogs. Malcolm, welcome back to the show. Hey, JT. I don't know. I don't know if it's more than anybody, but, uh, you know, we got got a good many. You got to get me. Yeah, I don't know if you're going to beat like Katy Perry or something. I mean, <laughs> you and I aren't in the Carrie, uh, Katy Perry League, um, especially if you look at both of us, because we're about the same. So, yeah. uh, but um, I don't know. Maybe we should do a duet together and see how that rolls sometime. <laughs> it, it would probably definitely get some views. I don't know if it's the kind we would want. Yeah, <laughs> might get a few comments too. You know, those, those comments might be, get a little rough for us. <laughs> so, how's your year been with COVID and everything? Man, it's been crazy. You know, I hadn't got to do a lot. I, I love to travel and do competitions with my brother, our Killer Hogs team, and we hadn't got to do really any. There's only been a few little state contests that we've got to participate in. Um, but, you know, other than that, it's been busy and crazy because, you know, a lot of the stuff we do is online. Right. I've tried to, to make a bunch of videos this year and put a bunch of, you know, good information out to help people. But uh, we also run like an e-commerce uh, website where we sell our stuff and everybody's cooking at home now, you know, and you're not getting to go out to restaurants and stuff. So that part of the business has really picked up. But, you know, it's I, I miss, you know, the, the way normal things were, getting to travel and getting to go visit places and see all my buddies. That's That's been the biggest downside of it to me, just, you know, having to spend so much time with just me and Rochelle and Michael. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you love them, but you'd like to like, okay, guys, you know, give me, you got to give me a couple hours here over in the corner by myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a tough deal. I, uh, my wife and I are working from home. Uh, she's a college administrator and we have a fairly, it's kind of a long ranch style house. So she's kind of at one end and I'm kind of in the middle and we kind of pass each other like twice a day in the kitchen type thing. And that's worked out pretty good, you know, for the most part, because if we were sharing an office or something, that would not be good. I can just tell you, you have, you know, we're, we're all having to figure out ways to cope with this and, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll see a light at the end of the tunnel soon. I hope so. We got Thanksgiving coming up, Malcolm. And before we came on the air here, we we were chatted about this just very briefly. But you said you were cooking some turkeys right now today for some of your Thanksgiving videos. Let's just jump into this. And how does Malcolm Reed do his turkeys? Well, you know, the tur- turkey around Thanksgiving has always been some of my most popular recipes. And um, I'm a I, I'm a huge fan of a smoked turkey. I think it's so much better than the 
than the oven stuff, or even better than fried turkeys, which you see a lot down here in the south. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, just getting them out on the pit and getting some seasoning on them and getting them in some smoke, they turn out so good. Oh, yeah. So for the videos that I'm doing today, um, hopefully I'm going to get them edited up and released if everything goes <laughs> well you know, towards the end of the week this week. But I'm doing one. It's kind of my t- – everybody's saying that Norman Rockwell classic turkey. You know, the oh, one sure. where he's, he's got the platter out on the table and the family's all around and it's been oven roasted and it's beautiful. Well, I'm going for that look of classic turkey on my uh, Traeger grill. Yeah. And, I've you know, I kind of got it running about 325, so it's not really like a slow-smoke turkey. I'm getting a little bit of applewood smoke in it, but ba- but really, it's just a way to cook it outside and to get some good flavors from the grill on it, but still have that classic turkey look. I didn't get crazy with the seasonings. I, you know, I brined it for 48 hours um, to really get some moisture and some flavor down deep in the turkey, and then I seasoned it real simple with you know just some salt, pepper, garlic, and a little poultry seasoning. Mm-hmm. And I'm basting it with butter, a lot like you would if you were cooking it. You know that uh, your grandma's turkey recipe. Sure, <laughs> one of those old classics. So that's that's going to be one of mine, and it's looking really good. I think I'm about the second base right now in it, probably about two hours in. Um, and then I've got another one going. Um, I had a I did a video a couple months ago where I did a, a pork butt on my Weber kettle, mm-hmm. and a lot, I get a lot of questions about cooking on kettle grills. You know, they're one of the most popular out there, or that style, just a charcoal grill. But how you can set it up for indirect cooking. And so I'm doing, I've got a whole turkey going uh, in the center over a drip pan with the snake of charcoal briquettes all around the outside. And I'm getting, got some hickory wood mixed in there and I'm, I'm doing what I call a barbecue turkey. I, you know, I, I brined it as well, but I seasoned it with barbecue rub and I'm going to glaze it at the end and I'm going to make sliced and pulled turkey with it. So it's a different option if you're, you know, you're, you're tired of pork or you don't eat pork, uh, you can do a big turkey and it doesn't have to be Thanksgiving. The turkey's good year round, so. I'm hoping I'm hoping it turns out good on the Weber. This is actually the first time I've tried this, so it's an experiment and a recipe. There you go. Now let's go back to your one that you were cooking on your Traeger. I do. Uh, I don't use a Traeger. I use a Green Mountain Grill, and I've got a new grill that I'm trying right now from Gorilla Grills up in Michigan, and it looks to be working out pretty good. I've done that for the past few years. And did it on my pellet smoker. And I agree. I, I just, what I do, I don't know how you put it. You put a drip pan under it or do you just let it drip or do you put it in a pan? And what I do is I put it in a real shallow uh, pan, uh, one of those disposable ones, fold down the edges. And I actually put it on a rack in the pan. So the drippings just, you know, come right down there because I can save them and I can use them later for either basting or in the, in the gravy. What do you do for that? I've, I've done it both ways. Um, today, I've just got it on a little raised rack, you know, kind of so I can move it around without messing it up. Sure. I'm sitting directly on the grate, and I'm letting everything drip down into the, you know, the, the pan liner on the deflector plate. Yeah. And then I'm letting, and instead of basting it with its own juices, I'm just melting some butter, and I just, and I'm brushing it over it as it cooks, as it needs it to keep it, from, you know, to keep it uh, from drying out. Right. And to keep it brown. That's helping, the butter's helping it kind of brown. But, um, you know, I've done it both ways. It, it works great in a pan on a little I, – I would I would say put it on a little raised rack if you're going to cook it in a pan. That way it's right. setting up off the bottom. Yeah. And that way the heat gets under it and you kind of cook that bottom. And the way you're doing it today, it will cook that bottom. And so it doesn't get that soggy. That's the one bad thing about cooking them in the, ro- in the oven or in a turkey roaster or something. The bottoms are never quite done. You know what I mean? The skin right. skin's yeah. not done. It, yeah, I've noticed that too. And you know, a lot of times I just use that meat for stock or something like mm-hmm. that because it's not really 
you can't carve it up. You know, it doesn't it doesn't cook as well as when you let the hair really circulate around it. Right. Yeah. No, it works really good that way. But I've had great success with that, and uh, I do the same thing. Of course, I'm 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 a hog. I mean, I admit it. I'm not part of your killer hogs team, but I'm a hog because I will do the 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 basting with butter and crunch up that skin so it's all nice and golden brown. Um, and you get that Norman Rockwell look. I know our buddy Meathead, he's big into spatchcocking stuff, and that's okay. But my family, when they sit down, they want to see that Norman Rockwell thing. Everybody takes a little pass through the kitchen before we start to cut it because uh, we've got an island so you can put the turkey out there. And they'll look at it and they go, ooh, you know, they do the ooh, ah, looks great, all that stuff. And then they leave. Then you just, you know, disassemble the bird. As my, you know, <laughs> And, <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly what I was going for. I mean, I, you know, I, I think spatchcocking is great if you're in a hurry or you're cooking a really, you know, 22 pound bird. You want, you know, you want to make sure it all gets done evenly. That right. the spatchcock's a great technique, but you know, you lose some of the presentation with it all splayed out like that. Yeah, um, you know, I, I've done it that way. And on smaller grills, where you know, some people don't have the grill the size they can get a whole big turkey in there, so they need to spatchcock it for for shelf space, but. Um, it works. Like, you can cook a good turkey and a lot faster, but I think there's just something about if you're doing one for Thanksgiving, you want that classic platter turkey that everybody can get around and just makes their mouth start watering. and they want to pull the legs off and get a little, you know, get a little sample before you get in there and carve it up. Oh yeah. You know, and if you're, like I said, I'm a hog, I like to go by and I'll pull the skin off where nobody's going to see it after they've looked at it, you know, and I'm starting to carve. And there's some pieces that you, the skin won't stay on when you're carving it, when you get down to the bottom, but that skin's still crunchy. I'll just pull that off and eat it. That's how big of a pig I am, man. <laughs> yeah, that's a little pitmaster snack there, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I know you, you do a lot of hogs, but the hogs that I've done, which is not nearly what you've done, but I, and people have heard me say this a hundred times on the show, my biggest thing is keeping a pair of needle nose pliers in my back pocket and a cold beer and you go by and you can tear some of that crackling off and eat that. I, I'm good. It's all good. We got about two minutes before we got to go to break, Malcolm. What's your favorite part of the turkey? If you if I just said okay, Malcolm and Rochelle are coming over to the house to eat, and I'm going to serve them turkey. What would I serve you? Well, you know, um, the way I do them, I really like the dark meat. A lot of people stay shy away from the dark meat, but it has such a good flavor as it smokes on the grill. And you know that the the way I do it is, you know, you don't really carve it; you just kind of cut the legs off, and you take your knife and just kind of slice some of the leg meat off. And mm -hmm. you, get in there, you get in there with your hands and you shred kind of like pulled pork you shred those thighs and that meat is so juicy so tender and if you didn't know any better you would swear it was like ham or something it has a you know really good flavor and a really good texture and the, the breast is okay that's kind of your showpiece but a lot of times you know that that white meat wants to dry out so uh, i will eat it and, but uh that dark meat's where it's at man i'm with you brother a hundred percent because there's nothing better I mean, Thanksgiving dinner is terrific all in itself as a standalone deal. But when you're talking Friday afterwards or Saturday and there's some ball games on and, you know, for me, it's a little it's a dark meat turkey sandwich, you know, and some other stuff, whatever you want to eat. If there's any stuffing left over or sweet potatoes or something like that. But I love those cold turkey sandwiches the day after. Oh, yeah. We put a little mayo, a little black pepper, and pile that turkey up high. Man, it's good. Uh, you and I could do some real damage, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> 
we could do some real damage. Uh, Malcolm and I are going to take a break here, and we're going to be back here on Barbecue Nation. We're, we are, if you haven't caught this part, we're talking f- with Malcolm Reed from Killer Hogs and how to barbecue right. You need to check out Malcolm's work like on YouTube because he's got like a million videos up there, and each one of them has got like a million views, and it's because they're all so good filled with information and showing you how to do it correctly. Malcolm and I will be back here in just a couple minutes on uh, Barbecue Nation on the Sun Radio Network. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT. We're talking with Malcolm Reed today. If you'd like to email us, it's really simple. Well, there's a couple ways to do it. You can email me directly at info at thecowboycook.com, or you can go to our website for the show, which is barbecuenationjt.com. And there's a little thing there. You can send me an email. Uh, it's a little more formal. It's more like a request and, you know, what we can do for you and answer this. Uh, if you do the info at the Cowboy Cook, you just send it to my desk and I'll get that. Also, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter all that stuff. So um, we're out there. Uh, Like I said, we've got Malcolm Reed with us today from Killer Hogs and also How to Barbecue Right. And let's let's continue with the Thanksgiving theme just for a minute here, Malcolm. We were talking off the air about turkey legs. Um, We you and I both like dark meat. A lot of people like dark meat. Um, Some people shy away from it, though. But I always cook two or three extra drumsticks because i've got a store i can find full-size drumsticks at and so i'll actually cook those a day or so before and smoke them and then you know roast them off at the end uh, you know wh- however you want to do it is fine because i love them uh and i notice with the crew that comes to our house if i don't do that i end up getting about three ounces of dark meat for my plate because i always eat last because i'm the you know cook and i'm tired and i let everybody go first. I'm polite, which is probably got to change at some point in my life. But anyway, you know, um, how do you cook them? Because you said you didn't normally cook them around Thanksgiving, but when you're cooking them throughout the year for a tailgater or whatever you're doing, how do you cook turkey legs? Well, we usually do them kind of state fair style. I know, you know, down here in the South, I don't know about up in Oregon, but at state fairs, there's always a turkey leg vendor. And it's really easy. I mean, all I do is get some seasoning on those legs and smoke them. Uh, they usually start, you know, a couple hours. And when they get a good color on them, I wrap them up with foil, mm-hmm. a little butter in there, and then wrap them up tight and finish them to their tender. Like a, and I take them a little further than 175. I usually go to like 185, 190. Right. Because they're just falling off the bone almost at that point. When you bite into them, they're tender, they're juicy. That dark meat stays incredibly moist. And so that makes just a really good turkey leg. So it doesn't taste like your traditional Thanksgiving turkey. It's more of a, you know, a barbecue style turkey leg. Right. But man, they are good. But, I, you know, I can see those uh, people going crazy over them at Thanksgiving. I just never think to do it. You know, it's usually traditional whole turkeys around that time of year. But um, there's never a bad time to eat turkey legs. <laughs> no, there isn't. Have you ever watched a turkey leg float? I'm going to tell you a story. <laughs> 
You ever watch one? No, I've never seen one float, I don't think. Okay. Um, San Antonio, this was about 25 years ago. We took our, I was out traveling, working gigs, and between shows, one was in Beaumont, Texas, and one was in Oklahoma City. We drove to San Antonio, took our daughter to SeaWorld. She wanted to see Shamu because she'd been watching that damn Free Willy movie, which was filmed up here uh, forever. Okay, so she's doing that. We get to SeaWorld. I buy one of their turkey legs. I'm looking at this. This thing cost me 20 bucks. I didn't care. I mean, I just knew it was going to be so good. We get there and we get the seats. They're just, they're warming up the whale. He's doing some stuff. He comes up right in front of us and does a jump, a vertical jump out of the water. And my daughter is gone. She's hot footing it over everybody up to the concourse and headed for the car. Now she's four years old (laughs) and she is not going back because that damn whale scared her. Okay. So she was throwing a fit. She was not going to go back. So, okay. So we go, you know, there was a couple hundred bucks in tickets and crap, but that's fine. So we head out the door. And then one of those kind of um, central Texas rainstorms monsoon hits. And by the time we get to the car, I got the kid on my shoulders and my turkey leg. I'm trying to keep it covered. And as I'm trying to take her off, she kicks my hand and the turkey leg goes out in the water. And the water's up to my knees now. And I see the turkey leg float away. That's my story. I was I was heartbroken. I didn't care about the whale. You know? <laughs> I, <laughs> that's a that's a good one there. Now I've never seen one do that, but man, I know you missed a good turkey leg. I did miss a good turkey leg. Especially twenty dollars. Yeah, well, they're not shy about charging at those kinds of places, you know what I mean? They're like they were they're right on the money. Um anything else you you put in the smoker for Thanksgiving? Well, we always do a ham, too. That's always a big thing. I usually do a spiral ham, uh, kind of that honey, my take on a honey-baked ham where you sure. know, we'll glaze it at the end, sprinkle a little turbinado sugar on it to give it that crunch like they like the honey-baked folks do. And yeah. It turns out really good. It's like, you know, those, those spiral hams have already been fully cooked smoked, so it's really like a double smoke. We're just warming it up instead of in the oven in a smoker. And so, you, you know, you can use – you don't want to overpower it with, like, a heavy wood. But it really does good with the, you know a touch of apple or a touch of peach or something like that. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe a little cherry, but I, I usually stick with the fruit wood. You you have trouble like I do when you're doing a spiral cut ham like that, not walking by and pulling some off. <laughs> that is probably the biggest trouble with one. They're so easy to do. Uh, you know, I typically turn it up to where it's faced down, where it doesn't fall apart. You know, the way they've got it cut, if you turn it on its side, it wants to kind of split open everywhere. Right. So. Um, yeah, there's there's always a piece or two that has to get sampled to make sure it's it's properly uh, up to 140 degrees where we can serve it. Well, it's quality. That's, that's it, another one of those, you know, little pit master snacks. That's part of part of what. <laughs> yeah, that's part of why we do this. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's quality control. You can, you got to have quality control specialists when you're working, and sometimes that that handle falls on the pit master. You know, that's exactly right. You got to have it. So, you know, do you do those in a pan too, or do you just put them straight down on the grill? Yeah, I usually just put them straight on the grate. Uh, sometimes I'll put them on a little half uh, raised rack just to make getting them on and off the pit easy, so it doesn't tear them up. But um, you know, I like I like to get the you know heat all the way around them. So, and I don't usually baste them. They're packed with so much moisture; they don't really dry out. Uh, you know, and I'm going to put a glaze on them at the end, so they're 
they're kind of sweet. They're really savory, and that you know they're already portioned portioned out for you. Um, you know, since they're spiral cut, so it makes carving them up really easy. I I love them, and you know how we were talking about in the last segment how I how we like to do the the sandwich on Friday, a little mayo, a little white bread, a little salt and pepper and stuff, slap that baby together and you got yourself a meal with the turkey. I'm kind of the same way with spiral cut ham. I really am. We're going we're, we're gonna to take another break. Malcolm and I are going to be back here on Barbecue Nation in just a minute. And uh, we're going to, uh, ah, I hate this pun. We're going to grill him some more here right after this. If you're enjoying GT and his show, come check out my podcast, Around the House with Eric G, where we talk home improvement and design right here where you catch this podcast. Head to AroundTheHouseOnline.com. Hey, welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT. We're talking with Malcolm Reed today from Killer Hogs and How to Barbecue Right. Uh, we'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, as always. They've been with me for years and years and years, and I really appreciate it. Some of the best beef in the world, if not the best. And also, um, you can check them out online at PaintedHillsNaturalBeef.com and also Gunter Wilhelm Knives. Started using those a few months ago, and I really like them. That's Gunter Wilhelm. Um, they're a very fair price for the quality of knife, and you can check them out online at GunnarWilhelm.com. Also, real quickly, if you want to email us again, it's info at uh, the Cowboy Cook, or you can go to the Barbecue Nation JT website like that. And we're on, um, probably like Malcolm now, we're on about 435,000 platforms out there for the podcast versions of these shows. And um, Malcolm's doing a podcast with Rochelle now, too. And I've listened to a couple of them. He does great. So we're going to talk to him about that in just a minute. Anyway, back to uh, back to Malcolm. I know we're not going to get a chance to talk to you between now and the end of the year. So I'm kind of jamming a lot of stuff at you, Malcolm. Um, OK, we get through Thanksgiving. We get through Christmas. What? Well, step back a second. What's your main uh main dish at christmas do you do a prime rib or do you do another ham or what do you do well usually yeah usually i do beef and sometimes we'll do some pork for christmas but i like i really like to do beef tenderloin and pork loins so uh, you know i kind of do them the same kind of way on the smoker usually running it about 250 275 just get them seasoned up I'll, i'll brine the pork loin but with the beef, I'd really just get a good salt and pepper crust on the outside. Yep. And I, you know, I just, I'll take the the beef tenderloin until it's about one twenty five. I like it on the medium rare side, and I'll serve it with like a horseradish cream, creamy horseradish sauce. The pork loin, we usually, you know, run it up to about one hundred and forty. Let it kind of carry over a little bit, where it's not, you know, still has a little bit of a pink look to it. That way, it's really juicy. I mean, it's fully cooked. But uh, it's really good pork loin, and then I serve it with the cranberry sauce that Shell actually makes, or or we'll do like a Dijon mustard sauce or something uh-huh. like that. So people have two options, but that's usually what's on tap for Christmas Eve at my house. And then we, the, for Christmas Day, we kind of do uh, snacky type stuff. That's sure, usually how we roll because it's you know that day is usually hectic with Michael being eleven years old. We still have big Santa Claus and oh presents yeah. And it's, people coming in so it's you know it's kind of grab and go type stuff 
It's all good. It's all good. What, by the way, what time is dinner on Christmas Eve? I want to be there. Oh, yeah. usually it's around six, okay. thirty, something like that. You know. <laughs> okay. Well, I just want to make sure I get my flights booked on time. You know. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> then the next big one that comes up, Malcolm, is uh, New Year's. Now this year with COVID and all that stuff, I'm, you know, God knows if they're even, well, I doubt in New York, if they're going to do the, let people in Times Square with the ball drop and all that. But a lot of people won't be uh, headed out to large gatherings, depending on what state you're in and stuff. But um, normally at my house, one of the things I do is I make a black bean soup. It's kind of a Brazilian dish for supposed to bring you good luck in the new year. And I don't think I made it last year because if I had made it, we wouldn't be having all this COVID crap. But um, what do you do for New Year's? Well, we do the traditional Southern New Year's. You've got to have a big pot of greens. Usually it's like turnip greens, mustard greens, maybe a little kale. Um, and then we do black eyed peas. And we do uh, smoked hog jowl that we fry up. And then we always have cornbread, you know, a few other things to go with it. Shell usually makes her famous mac and cheese casserole. Oof. But, you know, it's, it's, you got to have the health, wealth, and, and luck. So that's kind of the, the peas, greens, and the, and, the, and the hog meat. That's, that's the three things you got to have. So uh, we invite everybody over to our house on New Year's Day. Usually it's a, you know, it's a big event. Where do you where do you get your hogs? You got a local supplier, or you just um? There's a company called Burgers. They sell it at our local grocery store, and I found it is the best smoked hog jowl you can find. It cooks up just like bacon. So if you can think of a better Wright's brand bacon flavor, that's what this hog jowl tastes like. It wow. gets crispy, and man, you you put that over some black eyed peas with a little pepper sauce, and you got your greens on the side. And, a buttery piece of cornbread to go with it. That's all you need for New Year's. Okay, what time's New Year's? Because I don't. Maybe I should just stay <laughs> over. You know, that was usually like noon on New Year's Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I do the like I said I do the black bean soup. Somebody taught me that years ago. Uh, I've been to Brazil a couple times, and um, you know it's it's it was just an. Um, a local dish there. I guess it, maybe it's a national dish, but uh, we do that. I usually do uh, something. Of course, we're up here in the Northwest, so we get a lot of seafood. So a lot of times we'll do something with some crab, um, some cracked crab and stuff like that. And then we'll do, uh, sometimes I do some chicken wings. If people want to do chicken wings for New Year's or even one of the bowl games or college football games, whatever, coming up, how do you do them? Well, I I usually do them a bunch of different ways. I mean, I don't get me wrong. Chicken wings are probably one of my favorite things to eat. I mean, and I like them fried. I like them smoked. I like them grilled. I'll even go for the oven baked ones if that's all I got. Sure. <laughs> but, but chicken wings is you know one thing that I that I really take pride in cooking in. Um, you know, I, I I do them usually. I'll season them, get them on the smoker get them fully cooked and I'll make several different sauces to toss them in. So if you think of like going to your favorite wing place and they've got the classic Buffalo sauce, or they've got the spicy, uh, sweet Asian sauce, or, you know, we'll do a lemon pepper seasoning sometimes or a garlic parm. I've got a mm -hmm. bunch of different wings that, that I do. And I like, op you know, I like having those options when we serve them. Um, bowl games is a great time, but super bowl. Oh yeah. Usually when I'm really doing a lot of wings and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll fill several cookers up. 
and just have a big wing party. So I gotta, I gotta, uh, I gotta share something with you, Malcolm. One of the things that, and I know you wouldn't do this. I mean, I, and I'm not, I'm not giving you platitudes there. I just know you wouldn't do this. One of the things that irritates the hell out of me when somebody serves you wings and they're not done. They, they've, they've kind of gone for a semi-crisp outside, which I love crispy and crunchy stuff. I mean, I live for that stuff. But you get in there and you take a bite into the wing, either the drumette or the little arm part, you know, and, you, and you're doing that. And they're not really cooked. They're, I mean, they're not going to make you sick or anything, but they're not cooked. You, you find that offensive? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I don't like... I guess they're done at 165. That's what everybody says. Right. White meat chicken, but for a wing, to me, it's not near enough because the skin's not going to be getting tender at that point. It's not going to come off the bone. I think that's what you're talking about. Right. I like to run. I mean, I run my wings up to 190, just like I was talking about doing those turkey legs. Yeah. Uh, they're real forgiving. There's not a ton of meat on the wing. It's mostly skin and and fat that you're breaking down in there. So when you run them up higher the bones will just release. And that's where you can see these people as professional wing eaters, where we can just take a wing, take it apart, put the bones in our mouth and pull it back. And we got a clean bone. Yep. That's how wing, that's how wings done. Yep. And that's the way I try to cook them every single time. <laughs> you know, back when I traveled a lot and I would order, cause sometimes you'd get into a town and there was no restaurants open. The only thing open was maybe some pizza delivery place, you know, cause it's late at night. And I'd call them and I'd say, do you have wings? They'd say, yeah. I'd say, how are your wings? They'd say, oh, they're good. That's not really enthusiastic to me, you know, <laughs> but I would, I would actually, and this is just how weird I am about some things. I would actually say, can you, cause I know how they cook them, especially at pizza places. And I'd say, run them through twice for me and I'll give you an extra five bucks. And they would do it, and then they were pretty good, you know. That, like you said, you could put them, pull them, and clean bone the whole thing, you know. But if you didn't, uh, if they wouldn't do that, then it was they were they weren't raw, but they weren't done. Okay, I'll just leave it at that. So, I'm. But I've had them like that, and I know. Yeah, they that's like they're rushing all them pizzas through. They just throw those wings in a pizza pan, send them through, and then then box them up. Yeah. And you're right. You got to get them at least through a time and a half or two times through. And they're, they're, they're pretty good. I mean, they're not, you know, they're not wing joint wings. Like I would say, right. They'll get you by if, that's, if you just need a wing fix and that's all you got. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Because, um, yeah, anyway, I, I just, uh, I'm fussy about some of those things, but I guess I'm old enough now that I can be fussy about some of those things. Cause you know, when you when you've lived like we have, then you you get you get to make choices. <laughs> I'll just put it. Th I'll just put it that way. Yeah. Um, one other thing. Uh, when you talk about Super Bowl and wings and that, is there anything else you like to throw on there that's kind of, uh, you know, comparative to the wings that you're cooking? Well, usually I'll do a big pan of the pork belly burning ends. Those are always a huge hit when I cook those. And, you know, if you can get some pork belly, you can cube it up, toss it in some barbecue rub, and then get that fat rendering down and get it in a pan and toss it with the little barbecue sauce and brown sugar and a little butter and really let them cook down to their tender. And 
man, they're just like little chunks of heaven right there. They'll melt in your mouth. You got all that good pork flavor in them. They're kind of, you know, halfway fatty, halfway lean, just delicious, delicious cubes of pork. <laughs> You're making me hungry, man. You're just. And so those are, I mean, around ball game, who don't, you, you, want, you want small stuff. That's why wings are so popular. You have a beer in your one hand, something you can eat when you're on the other. So that's yeah. the kind of stuff I tend to do. Malcolm and I are going to be back. Uh, who do we got coming up the second hour, by the way? Oh, Carolyn Wells from KCBS. Carolyn's going to join us the second hour out there on the network. But Malcolm and I will be back in just a few seconds, a few minutes, whatever. Don't go away. You're listening to Barbecue Nation on the uh, Sun Radio Network. everybody it's jt and this is a special version of barbecue nation it is brought to you in part by painted hills natural beef beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends that's painted hills natural beef welcome back to barbecue nation here on the sun bgi radio network i'm jt we're talking with malcolm reed today from uh killer hogs and how to barbecue right malcolm um Tell them how they can find you if they haven't found if they haven't found you already they're probably living under a rock but how do they how do they find you Rochelle we are how to BBQ right on every platform for so YouTube Facebook Instagram Twitter uh, you can find us there uh, you know of course the website www.howtobbqright.com that's where you know we archive all the stuff I do so if you find the videos on you know on Facebook or, or on YouTube, you can always find them archived on our site too. Uh, we actually have an app as well, the Barbecue Right app. It's on uh, iOS and the Google Store, so you know, it, and it's it's kind of a shortcut to everything we're doing, um, you know, with videos and recipes and all that. So you can download that for free. Uh, Good for you. Good for you. And your podcast, you got you and Rochelle are doing a podcast now. We are, yeah. We started a podcast. I guess wow, we're on our third. Third season, I think. Third full season. Oh, good for you. So, which is three years of it. And we started out its first audio, um, you know, on all the platforms. But then we added the video. We started capturing the video on it as well. So we released that. Um, usually every Monday, Tuesday on our YouTube channel, you can find the video feed for the, the, the podcast. And we just, me and Shell sat down and catch up on what we've been doing that week or you know, what's, on, what's going on in the barbecue uh, around us and, you know, just have fun with it. That's been our main thing. It's, it's really a price for us to decompress and just let everybody hear, you know, what, what's going on. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. And I've listened to it and it, it's really good. I would recommend it. There's there's an awful lot of barbecue podcasts out there. Some of them are very good. Some of them are just people talking, which is fine. Um, but Malcolm's is one that I think that you can actually learn stuff from. And so... Um, I recommend it. You got to listen to my show first, but then you can listen to Malcolm's. How's that? Is that fair? <laughs> That's fair enough for me, man. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, I wanted to touch bases. I want to swing back on something, actually, Malcolm. We were talking about wings and stuff and the holidays coming up and snack foods and that type of thing. Do you think at times people get a little overkill on the sauces? 
And especially like, you know, man, these are the hottest wings in the world. Well, if they're too hot, you can't taste the chicken. But um, how do you do it? I mean, what do you have a guideline that says, okay, this is enough, this is too much, or this is not enough? Well, I learned from just doing it over and over and over that it doesn't take a whole lot of sauce to sauce wings properly. The, the way I do it, whatever sauce I'm using, I add it, I, I put a few wings um, in a big bowl. And then I'll ladle a little bit of sauce in there and just give them some tosses around. Mm-hmm. That really spreads the sauce around. They get evenly coated. And you don't end up with an overly sauce or just a, a sloppy, messy wing. Now, I'm not a big fan of, like, those super hot wings. So I shy away from, the, you know, the, the ghost pepper, the Carolina Reaper, all those flavors yep. like that where you just try to burn somebody up. Uh, you know, I like to enjoy my wings. I, I do like a little spice, but... uh you know, anything anything that's crazy hot, I usually don't do. So you don't have to worry about that if you're eating with me. Uh, unless you want it hot, we can figure out a way to get it there. But but, but I'm not going to eat it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm this. I'm exactly the same way because I've had uh, – I mean, I'll tell you the truth. I've never figured that out, why people like, I want this really, really hot. You know, I love really hot. If they say I really like it spicy, <clears throat> excuse me, and – but what they really mean is they just want to rip your lips off with it. Those are two different things because it's not spicy. It's just hot. Um, and you don't taste anything. If you, you know, if you put a nice seasoning of whatever you're going to do, uh, salt, pepper, garlic, maybe, you know, something with a little kick into it. Um, that's good for me. But if you're just going to try to, you know, create your own chart on the Scoville scale, I'm not down with that. I'm the same way, you know, and I've really got into just eating dry wings too. Yeah, a lot of them, you know, when they, when they come off the grill, I'll toss them just a little bit of butter, just where they get a little, you know, something to hold that dry season on, and then season them right there at the very end before you serve them, and that it really makes those flavors pop. So you taste all the seasoning and all those spices that you want in them without having to have them really saucy, and they're really good like that too. Do you do that? Too, or could you do that? I, I mean, I know the answer to this from my end, but I want to get your take on it. Like flanking ribs, because I do the same thing with flanking ribs. I'll 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 cook them, um, and then I kind of season them right at the end, and they're you like you say, all those flavors pop. You can definitely, yeah. There is no reason why you couldn't. And, you know, that reminds me of how we do our Memphis style dry ribs. You know, yep. we're smoking them, of course, and getting them tender and everything, but then right before we serve them. We just redust them with whatever kind of seasoning. That's where you're. That's where you're really getting a lot of your Memphis flavor from, is because we're putting that dry rub on right at the end. And it would work the same for those flanking style ribs. You know, depending on whichever way you're going with them. If you're kind of going for a South American seasoning, you know, kind of with the chipotle and you know different seasonings sure. and things like that, or or if you're going for an Asian seasoning, it'd be a good time to blast them a little bit. But that wakes them up to where when your tongue, when you bite into it. The first thing your tongue tastes is those flavors you season them with. And then you get the meat, the juiciness from it, all the flavors that you've cooked on it. But, you know, it really goes a long way to, you know, make an outstanding product. The one thing about flanking ribs is years ago, they were pretty cheap. They're not cheap anymore. I'll just give them. No, I've noticed that. (laughs) (laughs) But it was was kind of an unknown thing several years ago. Yeah. Pick up a supermarket. It's like, well, they're just you know, scrapping them or, you know, trying to get rid of some short ribs they couldn't sell. But now everybody's buying the big short ribs and, and cooking those as well. They figured out how good they are. So the prices have skyrocketed on them. Oh, yeah. Because I used to buy like 
10 pounds of them, 15 pounds of them. And cook, when I had people coming over, you know, and I cook them all up and everybody love them. And now I'd have to get a second mortgage to buy 15 pounds of them, man. It's, it's, it's tough out there. Um, they do, they do make great grazing food. They really do. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a little over a minute left here and I, I think I can con Malcolm into sticking around for the after hours with us for a few minutes. So I think we've got time for that, but, um, over the last five years, what do you think is the biggest thing you've learned about, about cooking and barbecue and smoking and the whole thing we do, the whole genre? What do you think your biggest I mean, thing is? The, the biggest thing to me is learning how to control my pits, learning when meat's really done by watching those internal temperatures and not getting caught up on time. You know, knowing that giving myself plenty of time to cook something, um, you know, really watching it, taking it off, letting it rest. Those are those that's what really takes to become a successful uh, pit master to me. Once you know, it doesn't matter what you're cooking on, as long as you can figure out how to control those cooking temps and when to get that meat off, how long to let it rest, or when it's optimal. I think that's the biggest thing you can learn, and you can make anything good once you learn that. Once you learn how to build that fire and control a pit, sky's the limit on what you can cook. We're going to get out of here. We're going to be back with After Hours After Bit here, but we want to thank Malcolm Reed uh, from Killer Hogs and How to Barbecue Right. That's How to BBQ Right. Uh, you can find him all over the web and all over YouTube and all that. And Malcolm, thank you for being with us today. Oh, man, it was my pleasure. It's always fun when you have me on JT. <laughs> Everyone has a uh, happy Thanksgiving and Merry Christmas and wonderful New Year. There you go. Um like I said, we'll be back next week with another show. We're getting you geared up for the holidays here on The Nation. Remember our motto, turn it, don't burn it. You can check us out at BarbecueNationJT.com. And we will talk to you all real soon. Take care, everybody. Barbecue Nation is produced by JTSD LLC Productions in association with Envision Networks and Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.